is Bloomberg Surveillance. We do believe that there's an earnings recession that the banks face this year and next year. So earnings are going to be under pressure for the next two years. Does oil catch up with copper? Does copper catch up with oil? We would say that copper is going to catch up with oil to the downside. 15% movement of the yuan versus the yen in the last nine months or so, I think is one of those factors that's pushing the Japanese economy back into recession. Bloomberg Surveillance, your link to the world of economics, finance, and investment on Bloomberg Radio. Good morning. I'm Michael McKee along with Tom Keene. It's 7 a.m. on Wall Street, 2 p.m. in Doha, where they're getting ready for Sunday's Summit of Oil Producing Nations. The idea is agreement to freeze oil production. Will it happen? Well, one of the bigger producers, Iran, isn't sending its oil minister. That announcement sending oil prices down this morning. West Texas 4067 is off 2 percent. Brent 4307 off 1.8%. And as we know lately, when oil prices fall, stocks fall, and it's a down day around the world. Tokyo off four-tenths. In Europe, the stock 600 is off by two points now, half a percent. The DAX is down by 64 points, seven-tenths of a percent. Here in the U.S., futures lower. S&P E-mini futures off five points, two-tenths. Dow futures 30 points lower. That's two-tenths, and it's a two-tenths drop for NASDAQ E-mini futures. They are down by 11 points. The 10-year note yield this morning, 1.77%, little change. Five-year, 1.2376 basis points for your two-year. The dollar index, 94.772, off a little bit. Uh, the yen, 108.95. The euro, 112.81, stronger today. The pound, 141.87. Something that isn't affecting markets all that much today, China reporting it met its GDP target in the first quarter, a 6.7% annual growth. Why can't the Iranians go to Doha? It's an hour and 44 minutes. It's like taking the Delta shuttle. I think there's a traffic jam on the freeway or something like that. They're going to send a lower-ranking minister. It's the helix. Yeah. <laughs> All those, uh, yeah. Well, the, the Bloomberg traffic report for Doha. Uh, it is an interesting uh, situation that while uh, oil has maintained its correlation to equity performance, markets seem to have put China on the back burner. Remember both of those things? totally taking out equity markets in January. Charles Duma is chairman of Lombard Street Research. Uh, Charles, uh, the mood seems to be different. We're still paying attention to oil, but other factors have uh, settled down a little bit compared to the way we started the year. Yeah, well, and the Chinese GDP number is is quite a strong one, and they obviously um, did quite a bit of uh, stimulus, um, fiscal stimulus in the the first um, quarter of the year. Uh, so you've got a, a growth rate which I'm, we recalculate Chinese GDP. And for the last um, year, couple of years now, our recalculation has shown the rate has been more in the region of 3% or 4% for the growth rate um, against the official uh, 6 or 7. But um, this one we, ca- we calculate on a quarterly basis as being six or seven, about a 7% annual rate, actually. Is so it um, su- domestic demand is quite strong. Is it sustainable? Is uh, I guess the question for investors is, is China out of the woods? Not that they won't have some fluctuations, but is the idea of a hard landing now off the table? 
I, I don't think um, we never thought there was going to be a hard landing. Um, and uh, so in that sense, um, I would say, yes, it is off the table. But on the other hand, what uh, the growth rate we've just had um, announced this morning is, is not sustainable because uh, it represents a run-up of debt. And it was the debt run-up which was forcing them on to um, a more sensible um, basic policy of trying to stop this excessive capital spending. Well, mm. you know, so a debt run-up continues, and that means they'll have to clamp down again. But I don't think that's necessarily a disaster for the world economy. Uh, Charles Tumar with us, Lumber Street Research. Good morning, everyone. Bloomberg Surveillance is always, even this Friday, brought to you by Invesco. Explore what high-conviction investing means to Invesco's value equity managers. Watch the conversation. Do that at Invesco.com slash interactive, uh, smart talk there on value and deep value investing. Charles Dumas with us. Charles, uh, you need another victory lap right now. You have been brilliant on dampened GDP worldwide. You also mentioned, in the case of Japan, an inflection point. Are we at an inflection point in Europe and around the world where policymakers, they're all in Washington, where they say, let's do something. Are we any closer to do something about the real economy? Well, I, I'm, I'm a bit more optimistic than consensus on Europe, actually, because um, the, uh, the, the consumer demand has been growing pretty steadily now for uh, an above-trend rate by their standards, which is pretty slow. And so it's been growing 1.5% to 2% for about um, two, two or three years now. Uh, and um, the world trade has steadied up, so um, that that, is, that will help. And, um, and on the export side, that is. And in the meantime, there's a little bit of capex growth over there. So, so it seems to me that the eurozone economy, um, I think Draghi is frankly um, fighting for Italy rather than the eurozone at this point. The eurozone doesn't need negative interest rates, um, but Italy probably does. Um, and, um, and so I wouldn't pay so much attention to what he's doing now. And you can see that he eases like crazy and the euro goes up. And same goes for the yen, for that matter. Well, when you're looking at the eurozone, it seems we can never get away from the issue of Greece. The IMF meeting this weekend in Washington, and it was one of the major topics people were asking Madame Lagarde about. Is Greece really a, still a big deal for the eurozone economy? I don't think so, no. I think that um, it's a big deal for the politics because it's all very symbolic as to whether you're in the euro or not and obeying the German rules or not and all of that kind of thing. And they attach a lot of importance to that um, at the sort of, um, uh, the, the sort of I, I, well, they're vulgar phrases for the sort of thing that's going on at the top level in terms of competitive activity. Um, and, um, you know, that's one thing. But at the level of the economy... Greece doesn't matter, and um, in fact is uh, growing a little bit, um, so it's, it's kind of a neutral factor. Charles, uh, we had just had a debate with uh, Ken Rogoff and Adam Posen on surveillance and television about the idea of the horse and the cart. Do monetary authorities have to reflate and overshoot to a higher inflation rate to jumpstart fiscal policy? Or does anti-austerity fiscal spending need to occur to assist in reflating to a better animal spirit? Um, I, I'm, not, I'm not really in either camp on that. Um, it seems to me the main thing that's um, happened is that the, 
um, collapse of oil prices, the sharp reduction of Chinese goods prices, the sharp reduction of iron ore, metals, all the rest of it, um, is, uh, has a, an, had an initial harmful effect on the producers and has um, done a lot of damage over the last year and a half. But uh, if you look at the position of uh, consumers worldwide, uh, it's very much improved, and we're beginning to see the consumer spending coming through. So, to me, the, it's this structural shift in prices, which is um, a moderately optimistic factor for the, for the world economy. And, um, you know, if they, if they went for more fiscal stimulus, that might help to sort of kick-start it a little bit, and that would be good. The monetary business is obviously completely shot through. I mean, there is absolutely nothing left in the locker. Uh, and um, any all this talk about helicopter money is simply... Um, fiscal policy uh, of a rather inefficient kind. The uh, structural shift in prices you talk about, is that based basically on oil prices, or is there actual signs that in Europe prices are going to rise outside of energy? Well, I, the, I, I'm, I'm talking about the benefits of falling prices here. Um, we, we don't belong to the camp that says you need to target inflation. I think that's a ridiculous idea to create inflation out of nothing. Um, it seems to me that um, the main point here is that the reduction of oil prices, even allowing for smaller uh, oil company, uh, uh, sorry, oil country imports, uh, and the reduction of um, iron ore metal prices and coal prices, and of course goods prices out of China, but also the prices of people who are competing with the Chinese. All of these um, these price restraints are benefiting consumers. So um, I think that the shift of income to consumers is the key factor um, and, um, and, and should come through with more demand. The, the real risk in the world economy, it lies in things like the U.S. core inflation rate um, having gone up quite a long way um, and implying that there are supply constraints, not demand constraints in the world. Mm. Uh, Charles Dumas with us with Lombard Street Research. We'll continue this discussion. I thought that was just brilliant what uh, Mr. Dumas said, folks, on uh, the, the sequential effect of the commodity price collapse we've seen. And still, Mike, I'm still not used to $40 on the Bloomberg screen for West Texas Intermediate. You think you would be. It's been, what, a good 18 months? Well, let's put it this way. It's been a very long time since a barrel of oil cost more than a steak in New York City. I like that. That uh, Can we shift that over, John Tucker, to martini analysis? Oil, oil to $19? <laughs> I, oil I had a feeling you barrel. would. <laughs> Everything go. relates back to West the martini. Texas, Michael Barr's looking at me. How'd you get on here? $40, cents, <laughs> down a dollar three on West Texas. European Brent crude, 42.79, down a dollar five. U.S. futures, negative four this Friday morning. This hour of surveillance brought to you by Westchester Subaru. Visit westchestersubaru.com. Here's Michael Barr with World and National Headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton engaged in a heated two-hour debate in New York. The Vermont senator said Clinton's description of certain criminals as super predators when she was a first lady was a racist term. Clinton rejected Sanders' criticism that she is unqualified, saying she has been called a lot of things, but never that. Continuing clashes between House Republicans and Tea Party lawmakers led to missing a deadline to pass their long-stalled budget. House Republicans are leaving Washington. Belgium's transport minister has resigned after a secret European Union report detailing lapses in airport security oversight 
It was leaked in the wake of the deadly March 22nd bombings at Brussels Airport and Subway. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom. And Michael, thanks so much. We do data checks even on a Friday. The yen, 108.89. That's a stronger yen this morning. The dollar churning a bit weaker. Michael McKeon, Tom Keene with Charles Dumas, Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, committed to bringing higher finance to lower carbon, named the most innovative investment bank for climate change and sustainability by The Banker. That's the power of Global Connections. Bank of America, NAFDIC. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. This update's brought to you by National Realty. 30% returns on cash and rented real estate. Find them at NRIA.net. Oil is falling for a third day before major suppliers meet in Doha to discuss an output freeze, boosting bonds and sending European stocks lower. U.S. stock index futures declining as well. S&P E-mini futures down four points. Dow E-mini futures down 26 and NASDAQ E-mini futures down nine and a half. The DAX in Germany is down six tenths percent. Ten-year Treasury up seven thirty seconds. The yield one point seven six percent. NYMEX crude oil down two and a half percent or a dollar three to forty dollars forty eight cents a barrel. COMEX gold is up half percent or six dollars to twelve thirty two fifty an ounce. The euro a dollar twelve eighty six. The yen one oh eight point nine three. And that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Tom and Mike. Karen Moscow, thank you very much for talking with Charles Duma. He's chairman of Lombard Street Research in London. And being in London, of course, you're in the middle of the Brexit debate, which um, under British law officially kicks off today. Not that people haven't been talking about it, but just the technicalities of it. They call it the official kickoff. Have to ask, uh, the president of the United States is weighing into this debate. The White House saying yesterday that uh, it would be very bad for Britain and for the world economy should the British vote to leave the European Union. What kind of impact is President Obama, who's he's coming there next week, is he going to have on this debate? Well, I mean, people like Obama still in, in, in Britain, so that means he's got to have some mild uh, favorable impact in terms of the um, people um, who want to stay in the EU. Uh, but having said that, um, I don't think anyone thinks he actually does anything more than reflect an official kind of idea that um, business as usual is better than any change. Um, so, it, you know, I don't think it really amounts to a row of beans in terms of um, uh, how people are going to vote. Does uh, d- does Lombard Street agree with the president's analysis of the economic impact of the vote? Um, our analysis says that um, it's uh, likely to have very little impact on anything but the very short term. Uh, clearly, if, if Britain votes to leave, there will be a, a, a short-term dip arising from some confidence factors and investment factors. In fact, that's probably already guaranteed to happen, whatever way people vote, because um, some people will have already cut back their plans uh, in anticipation. So in that sense, um, there's a short-term impact, but uh, we don't Mm. think that there's going to be any kind of long-term effect um, of of substance, whatever. The main thing is not to be in the euro, and ideally not to be in this Schengen um, free-ranging zone, and um, Britain's not in either. 
Charles, you're uniquely qualified, particularly uh, ensconced at Lombard Street, to talk about the fabric of the city and to talk about the elites of the United Kingdom. As we go to this debate in June, it just seems to us over here across the pond and distant and culturally distant that it's one big elite debate to keep the elites together across the continent, including the United Kingdom. What does everybody else in England think? Well, I, I think you're putting your finger on the main point, which is what I think is is, is perhaps uh, wrongly known as the white working class in, in, a, in a U.S. context or in a British context, uh, have been um, to some degree and at least perceive themselves to be the victims of um, elite policies, and particularly um, the, the mixture of... Um, high-tech hollowing out of uh, their kind of jobs, the uh, immigration being free uh, throughout Europe and increasing throughout the world, and, of course, much cheaper to get around, uh, and the, um, the, the free trade and globalization, which uh, is, that's part of, whereby um, some of the jobs get exported to places where wages are cheaper on the ground anyway. So it's a mobile capital going the other way that does the trick. So... Whichever way you cut the cake, um, you know, it's the, it's the sort of uh, ordinary kind of a guy in um, the developed economies that uh, looks like the loser and feels like the loser. And, and that's really, I think, a large part of what this argument's all about. What's the argument on the uh, leave EU side for how that would help? Well, basically, um, if... if Germany, for example, admits uh, millions of Syrian refugees, just to take a, a, a case, uh, and they get working papers inside the EU, then uh, pretty soon they can travel to England and um, come and work here. So, uh, you know, there's more or less unlimited capacity for, um, for migration. And we've had migration into Britain of um, two or 300,000 people per year net of uh, emigration for the last um, decade or so, uh, and people feel it's too much. Within that is the big business, big corporate, small business dichotomy. Without informing with an opinion, because tr I'm trying to stay out of the debate as much as I can, Charles, how do the pro-Brexit smaller business people get the upper hand of the debate? What's their action plan? over the next number of weeks? Well, I think the campaign on the Brexit side, the, the people who want to leave, um, is simply to emphasize that, um, that, that, that the point I've just been making, which is that um, a complete sort of uh, move towards uh, European unity, which is going to happen on the continent uh, on current form, is going to involve um, loss of control on, on borders and, of course, has already involved for those guys um, loss of control of currency. And uh, it's really a question of how you think of yourself and what you think you belong to. And um, so the argument that people will be appealing to is that um, a country like, for example, Germany, which neither has a currency nor a, an enforceable border, looks more like a municipality than a country um, from from a lot of standpoints, and yet they do have a real coherence as a as a society, and that's that's what people in Britain feel they have, and it'll be playing on that that uh, the Brexit campaign will will succeed or fail. Charles Dumas, thank you so much with Lombard Street Research, and Mike, Brexit's not going to go away. Certainly, the IMF 
thinks it's important. Uh, every, I mean, if you have the president of the United States weighing in on it, yeah. it's got to be worrying people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there it is, and uh, part of the debate here, and of course, Doha. When is Doha actually? Sunday. Sunday. The Sunday. Yeah. So when we come in, are you here Monday? I'll be here Monday. I'll be here Monday. Very good. Uh, we'll do that on Monday. The oil minister won't be here, but uh, you and I will be here. Yeah. Futures negative five. Down futures negative 26. We continue. We hope you're with us for Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by the Town of Hempstead Industrial Development Agency. Find out how to put the Town of Hempstead IDA to work for your business. Call 1-800-593-3870 or visit toh.org. 